Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply hey go slendy hey go slendy Hey, hit it up the park. Hit it up the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, Ego. Slendy, Ego. Slendy, Ego. Slendy, Ayy. You already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 415 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is June 18th, 2023. The San Diego Padres, they just took two out of three from the best team in Major League Baseball. Are the Padres back? Is this their turnaround for the season? Was this an encouraging series win, a convincing series win? Give your thoughts uh, in the comments in the live chat if you're here on YouTube or You can at me on social media, at Talking Friars on Twitter or Instagram. In the chat, if you're watching this on replay, in the comment section, feel free to, you can uh, give your thoughts there. Because I'm curious, like, you know, Padres take two out of three here, lost game one, but win the last two games of the series. Are you encouraged by this series because they took two out of three? Are you encouraged because of what you actually saw on the field? Um, And I'll give my thoughts more on that. You know, as I'll give my thoughts on that more as we go in the show here, because I think we can be happy that this team took two out of three. But I don't know if most of the fan base is going to be like really encouraged by the team's performance. You know, like, are they really back Um, or is this really turning around the season here? Um, You know, I'm happy that they took two out of three. No, don't get me wrong. 
like beat the best team in baseball, like at the, the bottom line, they took two out of three. That's great. But I mean, let's be honest. Was that the the most convincing series win? No, I don't think so. Um, and so we'll get to today's game, obviously. What happened yesterday? What happened in game one of the series, which was obviously a loss for the Padres. Didn't seem like the Padres were in that game, really. I know they had the game time run and Tatis up at the plate in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded. But I, I even though it's Tatis, I didn't have confidence that it was going to like go hit a granny there and tie it up. Uh, that's just the way that night went on Friday, unfortunately. But they won the last two games of this series. And obviously, you know, the bottom line, like I said in my post-game reaction uh, outside Petco Park today, like taking two out of three when you're playing the best team in baseball and you're under 500, like that's what matters the most here. But as someone that is a fan of the team, and I'm not just – this isn't a postseason series. Like it's two out of three. And now that they're moving on, who cares what happened? Um, you know, it's a long season here. So we're going to have takeaways in this series. And we're gonna be putting stock into this and saying, okay, are they going to be able to continue this? Was this like a legit series win where it's showing like, all right, you know, we don't have to be worried about this team anymore. I don't think we're at that spot with this team. I, I think there's definitely still – uh, issues for sure, but we'll get through that. Um, code talking friars on SeatGeek, $20 off your order. You can click that link in my description for breaking Padres wave San Diego state gear. Um, feel free to do that. Uh, since game three just happened, let's, let's get into today's game. So Padres, they were able to take it five to four. They're now 35 and 36 in they're fourth in the National League West here. Sorry, my Wi-Fi was kind of – it wasn't loading up there. Fourth in the NL West. Uh, Musgrove got the start today. I thought he pitched pretty well. Six innings, gave up two earned runs. You know, another quality start from him. His last now five outings, he has produced good results. Uh, his ERA is still 4-2-2, but we got to remember, like, one of those starts that he had was in Mexico City. So that definitely bumped up is ERA. And so it's going to take a while for that ERA to get back down to what we probably expected Joe's ERA to be uh, at the end of the year, but he has time to do that. That's the good thing. Um, and he doesn't care what his ERA is. He just cares if, you know, he's helping the team win from here on out. And that's what he's doing so far. Like today, as I said, on my post game reaction, I think that he limited the damage today. There were a couple situations where there was like bases loaded and nobody out bottom third or not bottom third, excuse me, top two, um, allowed a run, but got a double play after that. And then a pop out to end the inning. I believe there's a, there was a runner on second with no outs in that inning. And then top of the fourth, this was the bases loaded. Nobody out situation. I was referring to, he allowed just one run limiting it, right? The sack fly was the one run that he allowed. Uh, but you know, the Padres, they got lucky in some other ways uh, as well. But the only way that actually got lucky in those situations, and I mean lucky because they were able to win this game thanks to some of those plays, they wouldn't have been able to be in a position to get lucky to go win this game if Joe would not have been able to come through in some of those spots. If, if he did not limit the damage in some of those situations, then we probably wouldn't be here talking about a Padres series win. 
So I'm encouraged by what I've seen from Joe as of late. I'm encouraged by what, definitely encouraged by what I've seen from Blake. And we're going to get to his performance here in a little bit. Uh, offensively today, you know, part of the reason why I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, this is turnaround, you know, and um, I'm not that encouraged by this series win, to be honest. Like, I like the pitching part of it uh, for the most part. But overall, I'm not like super encouraged by this series win. I'm happy that they took two out of three. But part of why I'm not enc- I'm not encouraged about this is because of what happened today. I mean, they went three for 12 with runners in scoring position. And the runs that they got today, three of those runs, which I believe happened in the third inning, that was because of the Rays. I mean, sure, they got runners on, but the Soto nubber that he hit like 10 feet in front of the plate, maybe it was even less than that. I mean, he didn't smash that ball, right? Or he smashed it. He smashed it right into the ground. Christian Bethencourt, I guess he's trying to help out his former team still, throws it to second base with Tatis going to be safe, obviously. Decides to throw it to second for some reason. Throw gets away. Run scores. Tatis gets to third. And then as he's rounding third, Matt Williams has the stop sign up and he runs right through it because he looks to the outfield and sees, oh, I can run on this. It's not in yet. It's not in the infield yet. I'm going to run. And he ends up getting in there. It wasn't a great throw by Tampa anyway. Um, So they got lucky there. And it didn't, the, the luck didn't just stop there because remember, Soto was the one that hit that. He got on base because of it. And he was on third base for the sack fly. So there's three runs right there that maybe shouldn't have even scored, but thanks to the Rays and and Nando because of the speed and willing to take that risk. But, um, you know, thanks to the Rays, they were able to to score probably more runs than they should have in that third inning. And they ended up winning by one. But also, it wasn't just luck as well, like at the end of the game with Tatis, right? Because he made a tremendous throw. And, And Nola with a tremendous pick as well. I don't want to make this just about Tatis. We you know, bash Nola all the time. I know fans, they, they don't like Nola. When Gary Sanchez pinch hit for Nola today, Petco Park was pretty loud. They were like all clapping because they know that Gary's the better option at the plate than Nola is. So for all the crap we give Nola, when he does something good, I'm going to give him praise. And what he did today on that throw from Tatis, which saved the game because that would have scored a run, that would have scored Margot, and the game would have been tied instead of Padres up 5-4 with Hayter coming in the bottom of the ninth. He comes up with the pick and the tag to barely get Manny Margot uh, to keep that score where it was. Um, Now, you could say that it was a dumb decision by Manuel Margot to go on that, because that's what I thought immediately. Like I saw that play. It was a single to right. And I'm looking at third base. I'm seeing Manny rounding third and I'm seeing him go like he wasn't even halfway to home yet. And he's going with Tatis having the ball. And I'm like, this isn't going to work out well. I get it. Manny's fast. And like Padre fans know that Marco's fast, but you know, you have to take risk, but you got to realize Tatis is the guy in right field. This isn't Trent Gersham in right. This isn't Juan Soto in right, where I would definitely run on him and take that chance. It's Tatis in right. And credit to Tatis, one hop right to Nola. Um, 
And obviously, like like I said, give credit to Nola on the great pick because that was a great pick and just got him. They were able to win the review. Uh, Tampa reviewed it, challenged it, and he was out. Initially, when the play happened, I didn't think that Margot was out. It looked like he may have got in there, but obviously we saw the angle. Nola, I saw, you know, or I heard fans around me where I was sitting. They were like, oh, he's blocking the base or blocking the plate. Not allowed to do that. But that's where the throw was taking him. And it's not like he had his whole foot in front of the base or in front of the plate, excuse me, blocking Margot. Margot had room to, to go. Uh, so that was not in violation of a rule there. So great play on both ends by Toddy and by Nola uh, to keep that game where it was. And the Rays did score some of their runs on maybe some bad luck from the on the Padres side of things. Like there was one, right? The door, it was like a blooper and our door couldn't get to it. That ball was not hit hard, right? There were some plays there that it's not like the ball was smashed and the Rays definitely deserved to go you know, score those runs. So there was luck on both sides of things. Um, but, you know, just overall in this series, why I'm saying that this team, I don't think has like totally turned the corner and I'm not super encouraged offensively. I'm not super encouraged by this series is because of the runners in scoring position issue. It's still an issue on Sunday in this series finale. The Padres, they went three for 12 with runners in scoring position. Yesterday, they went one for seven. They won the game on Saturday, but one for seven. And they got a little bit lucky, too, with some of the bunts there, right? Um, the day before that, the first game of the series, one for six. So combined in this series, the Padres went five for 25 with runners in scoring position. That's still not good. You know, the issue is still there. So it's great. They took two out of three from the race, the best team in baseball. Like you're definitely going to take the wins, but with the regular season, like it's still a long series. And I don't, I just don't want the fan base to have their hopes up all of a sudden because they took two out of three here. Like I want the fan base to be able to read through the lines here or, you know, uh, read in between the lines, read in the box score, you know, see, how the Padres scored these runs? How did they win these couple games here? Was it because they came through a bunch with runners in scoring position? No. They came through a couple times in this series finale. Manny, uh, Odor, like, and Crony had a double to set up one of the runs. Like, great. They did come through a little bit, but it's still not at the level that it should be. And until it is at that level, then... I'm not going to say, oh, maybe here's the turnaround. And they're still not at 500 yet, right? Like, I want them to at least be over 500 until uh, I declare, like, all right, this is the turnaround. They're, this is the real Padres. They're back. Here we go. Um, and it's going to be a tough test against the San Francisco Giants in these next four games. The Giants, they just won that series against the Dodgers. They won 15 to nothing, I believe, on Saturday. So it's not going to be the easiest thing. Hater's probably going to be down. I think Martinez and Wilson will probably be down in the series opener because I think they pitch back-to-back days. So it's not going to be an easy series, I don't believe, in San Francisco. Uh, so we'll see. If they can take three out of four against San Francisco after taking two out of three and the runners in scoring position thing looks better, 
they'd be over 500. So then I would start thinking about like, all right, they're turning around here. You know, this is the Padres here. This is the real Padres. Uh, until that happens for now, I'm still like, I'm, I'm optimistic that they can turn around because they still have the talent, but I'm not super, I was not, I did not leave this series super encouraged by the Padres offense performance. Um, let's see what some people in the chat are thinking here. If you want to join the show, give your thoughts on this series, anything just Padres in general, feel free to click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. Uh, it supports me, it supports the channel, so I appreciate that. Omar says, just keep winning series three in a row now. Runners in scoring position, still an issue, but loving the small ball mentality. Whatever gets us past home plate, Java Joe looked good. And Nola, Nola breaking out of his slumber. He did have, so he had that single down the line, right? And he had a hard hit ball that was right up the middle. And it was like, all right, that's a great swing, but it went right to someone. And so that was unfortunate. Um, kind of with the Padres offense, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Nola's turning around. Uh, but Gary also has kind of slowed down a little bit at the plate, but that's expected. You know, he he got off to an amazing start with the Padres. I think we're foolish or people are foolish if they thought that that was going to continue at that rate. You know, it's baseball. You're going to struggle. Uh, Devin says, barring Friday's blow-up loss, the Padres won two games with small ball and a bit of luck, but most of all, the pitching came through in a big way. I did want to hit on the pitching today. Like Musgrove, obviously, the, the quality start. And then in the bullpen, Stephen Wilson getting out of trouble there, right? Uh, I think, what, it was the there was the bases loaded, right? And he didn't give up any runs there. Uh, Nick Martinez, yeah, allowed a couple runs, but some of those, those balls were not hit super hard. Hater comes in, gets his 18th save of the season. His ERA is down to one, two, seven. Uh, so the Padres, they use their, arguably their three best relievers, uh, to get this series win. And, I, you know, Bob Melvin was ejected. That's something that I haven't hit on yet. Uh, this was, this was so bad. I mean, holy cow. It was a Jim Wolf, the third base umpire. He says that I think it was Franco up at the plate. He says that Franco did not go when Wander Franco thought he struck out, like he thought he went. And Jim Wolf says, "Nope, didn't go." Manny was pissed off. Obviously, he was had his hands up talking to Jim Wolf. Wolf didn't eject him, but he obviously threw out Bomel, and Bomel came out and he was hot as well. Walked all the way from the Padre dugout to third base down the third baseline uh to talk with wolf and um i have not seen the video of it but from where i was sitting in the stands today like he looked pretty pissed off uh as he should have been like that i believe put the bases loaded there in that spot and uh what the the padres what was the score there at that point were they only up one still at that point it was late in the game and that's just, a, it was a bad call. It was a bad call by the umpire. I mean, Wander Franco thought he struck out and he said he didn't go. And that obviously put more pitches um, on, what was it, Wilson's pitch count, right? So, yeah, that that sucked. 
But I like Bo Mel's fire, obviously, getting pissed off there. I know there's some people on social media that are like, no, Bo Mel, he needs to get tossed more. Like, there's certain situations where he needs to get pissed off and get thrown out. I don't really believe in that. Like, I want it to be genuine. I don't want it to be fake, where he's faking getting pissed off to try to fire up the team. No. If he's pissed off about something, then, yeah, go be pissed off about it. If you're going to get thrown out, all right, good. You know, you're showing your frustration. I get it. Uh, but I want it to be real and authentic. You know, if, if he's not genuinely, genuinely pissed off about something, then don't get ejected. Because I, I still want Bo Mill managing the team. I know some people don't, but I still do. But, yeah, that – I haven't seen the video yet, but that that seemed like a terrible call by the third base umpire there. Mills says infield looked like a little league team. Well, yeah, today Musgrove and Manny, there were some of the fadeaway throws, right, that they just airmailed. But Musgrove, he made the play last start. I think it was against Seattle, right, at Petco. Made the great throw. Manny's done that plenty of times. And it took a hop off the base, so... Maybe he wasn't ready to f- to field it in that spot. And that maybe threw him off a little bit or couldn't get the best grip on the ball. I don't know. He'll say that he has to make the play. So I don't want to just go make excuses like, oh, that's not Manny's fault. Yeah, it was his fault. You know, Joe maybe should have ate it, but I realize like he's not going to eat it when he knows that he made that play his last start. You know, he, he thinks he, he knows he, he knows he can make the play, not just thinks. He knows he can make the play. There was the rehab start, right, where he had his return kind of pushed back because he had that throw like that, and he actually fell in that spot. Here, he didn't get hurt or anything. So at least that happened. That was good. Omar says, get your votes in, Friar Faithful, hashtag LFGSD. Yeah, so All-Star Game coming up this summer. You can still, I believe, vote up to five times per day on MLB.com. Who would be the Padres All-Stars right now? And I'm not talking about pitching because that's a different vote. I'm talking about guys that we can vote for. Would it be Bogarts? Would he be shortstop? I'm not saying he's the first one I think of. I was just throwing that out there. Um, Soto and Tatis, I think those are two that most Padre fans would vote for. And I'm not talking about voting for every Padre, including Nola, which I did. I'll admit I did do that the first day that the voting was open. Um, just just because I'm a diehard Padre fan. I probably should have wrote in Gary Sanchez or was he, was he there at that time? I forget if he was active on the Padres at that time, uh, but, or maybe it was Brett Sullivan that some people were writing in as the vote. But anyway, realistically, I think we could say Soto and Tatis. I think Tatis should start the all-star game. It's the all-star game. He's one of the superstars in this league, right? And he's one of the better outfielders in baseball. Like, let's just be honest. He, he's looking really good in right field. Um, maybe he moves to center at some point, but he's looking way more comfortable in the outfield. And he, he's he's a spark on offense. And the All Star Game, who should be starting the All Star Game? Should it look? I get that. You know, th- there's good stories in baseball, right? Some guys having great years, but they're not the biggest name. And there would be those people in those fan bases that say, this guy deserves to start the All-Star game because of the year that he has had. But also as, as a Padre fan, I'm sitting there like, well, it's the All-Star game. 
Sure, he deserves to be an all-star, but does he have to start the game? I don't think so. Let's put the superstars out there. Let's put the faces of baseball out there on the field to start this game. And I think Tatis is definitely in that. Uh, not, what, Lourdes Gurriel or, you know, Corbin Carroll, he's coming up. Like, he, he's good. But I, I swear I saw all-star voting, all-star voting, like the the latest results. First all-star ballot standings. This was, when was this released? I think this past week, like a week ago, maybe. So, okay, National League. So, Manny's fifth in third base. I don't think he deserves to start the All-Star game. Bogarts is third. Like, Orlando Arcia is first in this update. Like, should he be the starting shortstop in the All-Star game? Should he be an All-Star? Okay, yeah, maybe. But I haven't looked too deep in his, into his numbers. I don't know how good he is this year. But I assume he's doing good. Uh, but, like, should a bigger name probably start at shortstop? Yeah. Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah, here it is. NL Outfield. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is third. Acuna Betts Gurriel Jr. with Soto fourth. Should Lourdes Gurriel Jr. be starting the All-Star game over Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis Jr.? No. Should he be starting it over probably Corbin Carroll? Probably not. I mean, Corbin Carroll is probably a bigger name than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is, to be honest, right? Because he's up and coming and he's viewed as probably the face of the, the D-backs franchise right now. So, anyway, that's a tangent that's not related to Padres Rays, but we got on that topic somehow. Uh, oh, because Omar's comment here, get your votes in. All right. I want to, I'll get to the rest of the chat, obviously, Super Chats. Again, if you want to join the show, click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat and I'll get you in here. Um, but I wanted to go over to the first two games of this series as well after this break. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so game two of this series, the Padres were able to take it to nothing. Blake Snell on the mound. This was a very interesting storyline going into this game yesterday. Blake Snow, obviously we know his last game at the Tampa Bay Rays. He was taken out by Kevin Cash too early. He was dominating the Los Angeles Dodgers. More specifically, he was dominating the Dodgers top of the lineup. Mookie, I think it was Max Muncie. I think it was uh, Justin Turner. He was dominating them. And Kevin Cash decided to take Snell out and put in Nick Anderson, who, if you remember, was overworked probably in that postseason. Like, he was taxed. Put him in, and obviously we know Dodgers ended up winning their Mickey Mouse ring, and they love to brag about that. Um, so now he faces his former team for the first time. Right, Fast forward to Saturday. And going in, I was like, well, the Rays, they probably know a lot about him, and I wouldn't be surprised if Blake doesn't have his best outing. But, hey, I, I was – I'm glad that I was – wrong on that um I, I thought there was a chance that he'd have a really good outing but i think i was putting more chance on him not having his best outing than him having maybe the best outing of his year uh snell knows the rays as well but the rays they do have a lot of they love to cycle players right like they, they like to have a lot of new players coming in so 
I, I just didn't know how great this was going to work out. But Snell, credit to him. He was motivated going into that start, and he was pumping gas right from the beginning. He was topping 98 in that first inning. First four batters that he faced were strikeouts, all four. And that's hard to do against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Musgrove today, how many strikeouts did he have today? Today he had one strikeout. So I was wrong on my underdog fantasy pick. I had higher on the six point shots for Musgrove today. But, like, it, it's not – the easiest thing to go strike out the Tampa Bay Rays hitters. Uh, nonetheless, four Tampa Bay Rays hitters in a row. Uh, and that's just a third of his strikeouts on the day. You usually see, oh, a guy strikes out four, you know, his first four batters or four batters really early in the game. It's like, well, is, is he going to continue that the rest of the outing? Probably not. He did that. No, he, he definitely continued it. 12 punch outs, two hits only. One run that Blake has allowed in his last 25 innings. And there was this tremendous stat that put Blake in some great company from ESPN Stats and Info that I retweeted last night. Blake Snell struck out all nine starters yesterday for the second straight start, becoming the fourth pitcher to do so since 1961. The other three pitchers to do that, Jake DeGrom in 2021, Pedro Martinez in 1999 and 2000, and Randy Johnson in 1992 and 1999. Have you ever heard of those guys? I heard they were pretty good pitchers. And DeGrom, when he's healthy, maybe probably the best pitcher in baseball. So that's some pretty good company to be in. And we know when Blake is going well, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think that there's just a lot of Padres fans that are they don't want to commit to Blake long term when he's a free agent here because of the inconsistency that we do see that we have seen from Blake in a Padres uniform. I think that the casual fan that doesn't watch Padre games, just a casual baseball fan I mean, maybe they're like, yeah, I'd give Blake Snow the money. Former Cy Young, look what he did in the World Series. Maybe they had the game on TV yesterday. Uh the Padre Ray game. Oh, look at Blake. Yeah, give him all that money. But I think Padre fans, we have those bad outings. We have those outings where he walks the bases loaded and then walks in a run. We have those outings in our mind still. And we can't get those outings out of our head. And that's understandable. Totally understandable. Uh, because, you know, the first half of the seasons with, with the Padres, I mean, with the exception of probably this year, I know he didn't get off to the best start this year, but you know, years prior, first half, uh, it's been a lot of inconsistency. In the second half, he's been good. But I, again, those those not so great starts do stick out in our minds. Kind of like in fandom, just overall, I feel like sometimes the bad losses stand out in our minds. Even if the team is playing better baseball, those bad losses or those situations where they don't come through or specific players don't come through when they should, those things stick out to us. So it's going to be interesting to see what Blake gets in free agency. Do the Padres try to extend him? Do the Padres end up paying him in free agency? Would I pay Blake Snow right now in an extension? Uh, man, probably not, to be honest. But then in free agency, then I guess I realize that another team's probably going to go overpay for him because they do see the potential. And another team's going to think, yeah, we can get that out of Blake Snow, have him be consistent. 
And if he's consistent, you know, the rest of the year, then I wouldn't be surprised to see Peter Seidler continue to spend money. Uh, but already locking up Musgrove, already locking up Darvish, already have long-term contract with some with some uh, multiple position players, right? The core of players. Do they want to have Snell be added to that core of players when he has been inconsistent at times with the Padres? Do they want to add on a big contract like that? Or do they want to bring in a guy on a one-year deal or a one-year with an option? Would they rather go that route or would they rather go the Blake Snell route? Or I guess they could bring in someone else in free agency, someone like Shohei Otani, who could hit and can pitch. That guy is on another planet. I mean, I know most fans probably already know that, but the guy's like top five in strikeouts. I'm not talking about at the plate. I'm talking about pitching. Top five strikeouts. Uh, I think top four, actually. Leads the league in home runs. Homered, was that today or yesterday? Uh, the guy felt like the guy homered every bat in Texas. He's just on another planet. Um, obviously, I'd love to have Otani. You know, it's not my money, but it also kind of is. It kind of is our money as well. Um, so we'll see what happens there. You know, that's a long ways away. But Blake, as I said on my post-game reaction, like this is on a sizzle reel. Uh, I don't know if Boris is going to make him one. Um, but remember the Trey Turner sizzle reel last last offseason where his eight, I think it was CAA, they had John Hamm like on his iPhone, uh, like voice memos, like in his car or something just recording a Trey Turner sizzle reel and they put it in the video. That's what it sounded like. Um, he had that. Is Boris going to make one for Snell? If he is, then this start is going to be on it because they're going to say, Hey, Blake, he shut down his former team. No runs, 12 punch outs when he faced him. Gave up just two hits, one run last 25 innings. They'll probably pull up the ESPN stats and info stat where he's grouped together with the Grom, Pedro, and Randy Johnson, the big unit, you know. Uh, I love what I'm seeing out of Blake right now. Uh, guy's nasty. We'll see if he can continue it. You know, I feel like that's how I end these Blake Snell discussions now or just whenever I have my thoughts on Blake. We'll see if he can continue it, right? Because, again, that inconsistency – it does stick out in our minds. That's just how it is when we're Padres fans. Uh, hopefully I'm not alone in that. I think there's a lot of fans where the inconsistency, it does stick out. Um, anything else I wanted to get into in this game? I mean, yeah, I, I guess I can get to some of the luckiness with the Padres in Saturday's game, right? We talked about some of the luckiness that they had. Is luckiness a word? how sometimes how they got lucky today. They also got lucky yesterday. Bottom five, Kim bunted on. Uh, Grish attempted to bunt. It was a bad bunt. That wasn't out, but ended up being placed perfectly behind the mound in front of second base, and it dropped. Tatis bunted, moved uh, runners to second and third. Soto had a sack fly, like did his job there, but Grish, like that wasn't out. And if Tat would Tatis have bunted there to get the runners two second and third if Grish would have been out there you know I don't know because uh, there would have been one out there with Grish there would have been uh, it would have been what Kim on first I think 
or would it have been? Yeah, I, th I think it would have been Kim on first if Grish would have popped that up. Would Tatis have bunted in that spot to get Kim over to second? I think he did it because he wanted to get both runners in scoring position. And you have Soto coming up with only one out in that spot. And so a sack fly would do the job. So if, again, if that bunt didn't go down, maybe the Padres would not have had that opportunity to get that run there. Manny grounded out that uh, to third base, but that was bobbled. If that doesn't happen, that's a run that doesn't score, right? So they did get a little lucky there. Uh, but, you know, the pitching was great. Pitching was great. That that part of this series was encouraging. I know Darvish did not pitch that great, but the pitching for the most part, that was encouraging. Snow, obviously, with the six shutout innings. Steven Wilson comes in, pitches an inning. Martinez pitches an inning. Hayter pitches an inning, which was the same combination uh, that happened today. Like, those are the three seven, eight, nine guys. If you get your starter giving you six innings, like both of these past two games, that's what they're doing. They're going Wilson, Martinez, and Hayter. I think Bo Mel's definitely found that combination. And maybe Garcia at some point works his way up, but they don't trust him right now. That's for sure. They don't trust him right now. All right, so game one of this series, Padres, they lost 6-2 to two to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this was a frustrating one because Darvish did not have his best night, gave up a couple home runs. Feels like he's given up more home runs this year than he usually does. He ended up going six, gives up eight hits, six earned runs. Now, he should not have allowed six earned runs. There was the Grisham error that wasn't called an error. That led to a bigger inning, uh, but he still did not pitch that great. Five outs, gave up two home runs. After the Grisham dropped flyout, Siri had an RBI single. Uh, Siri stole second base. And this wasn't all in a row, but this is what happened, part of what happened after the Grisham dropped fly ball. Rayleigh had a double, and then Randy Rosarena hit a three-run home run. And by the way, with Randy, that guy, if he was maybe with the Padres or the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Braves even, Mets, like he would probably be seen as one of the faces of baseball, to be honest. Like he is fun to watch. I know he's facing the Padres this weekend, so it sucked to see him have success when he did have success. But man, he is engaged with the fans out there in the outfield. Like I, I love watching that guy play. Um, I didn't like it so much in the World Baseball Classic when Mexico was, I think they played Team USA, right? But when they weren't playing Team USA, when they're not playing the Padres, like, I'd love watching that guy play. And in the outfield on Friday night, in between pitch, uh, in between, yeah, in between play during a pitching change, he was out there in left field, leaning up against the wall, signing autographs for fans. Who else does that? And some fans are like, some fans might not like that. They would say, be in the, into the game. What are you doing? You know, like some Padre fans would say Tatis did that or Soto did that, they'd probably get pissed off. But I love it. Like, engaging with the fans like that, like, that that's super cool. Um, and he, he's he's fun to watch, really fun to watch. So it wasn't fun seeing him hit that three-run home run. Uh, but that did come after the Grish drop pop-up. And was the scorekeeper, the official scorer, was he, like, not watching the game? Was he napping or something? Because how is that called a hit? 
I get Gershom had to run a good amount, a good distance to get to the ball, but Trent Grisham would tell you he has to make that play. He's not going to say, oh, it was a tough play. No, the ball was in his glove and he dropped it. That's what is an error. If, that, if that's not an error, what is an error? Anyway, that, that I tweeted that out, I believe, on Friday because it was just like, what the heck? How, how is that a, not an error? Because that goes against Darvish. Like those runs end up being earned runs, uh, some of those runs, because that was not called an error. So maybe Darvish doesn't care, but that was just a weird thing there. Again, Padres offensively, one for six with runners in scoring position. Um, had some chances in the ninth inning, obviously. Tatis is up, game-tying run up at the plate. The Rays kind of let them get back into the game, even though I didn't really think they were in the game. Like, sure, they had the game-tying run up at the plate there in that ninth inning with with uh, Nando up at the plate. but. I still didn't think like Nando's going to hit the grand slam there. Um, I didn't think the Padres were in it really much at all that night. Uh, Padres fans didn't have a whole lot of reason to have a lot of energy during the game because they got down and they stayed down throughout the game. They were down one, nothing, then two, nothing, then a four run fifth. And the game was definitely over then again, even with the game tying run up at the plate, like, some random guy was pitching for the race at that point. And then they, they brought in Fairbanks with a one, three, five ERA because they were like, Oh man, well, Tatis is up. He could tie this game with the home run with one swing there. Uh, but yeah, they had some dude I'd never heard of pitching in that ninth inning. Uh, Armstrong. Who's this guy? I guess he has a zero ERA, but he doesn't have that many appearances. Sean Armstrong, six games this year. He has a career 4-4-2 ERA. So, oh, okay, well, over 200 games. So he definitely is a veteran in the big leagues. Uh, but, yeah, I'd never heard of that guy. And they didn't bring in their big guy until they needed to. That just tells you, like, they didn't think that the Padres were in that game either. So that was frustrating. Like, that was one of those where it was like, all right, you know, Seems like, yeah, same old Padres, at least for this year, for the majority of the season, right? Not coming through with runners in scoring position, just not really doing a whole lot. Um, and, yeah, they won the last two games of the series. But, again, kind of like my point earlier, the losses sticking out, I, 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 th I think of Friday's loss. I think of some of the losses earlier in the year, right? And I, I look at the runners in scoring position numbers in this series overall, you know, five for 25. I think of some of the plays where they got lucky in this series. And I'm like, has this team really turned a corner? Are they really back? How encouraged should we actually be from this series? And my answer to that is I'm not that encouraged by the offense performance. Um, and Right now, Darvish, he's probably not one of the aces of the Padres rotation right now. Uh, I would give that to Waka. I would give that to Snell. I'd give that to Musgrove. Um, that's just how it's been with Darvish. I mean, it's it's the facts, right? Obviously, the Yankees start that he had there, that sticks out, right? Again, the bad start sticking out. His ERA is 474, excuse me. He did start in Mexico City, so you do have to give him that. And he did kind of have that weird start to the season 
where he wasn't used a whole lot in the World Baseball Classic, right? Came in, I think, as a in as a reliever. So it was a weird start to the game, start to the season, excuse me, for him. But it's it's June now, right? You can't use that as an excuse now. Um, and, and you look at I'm going through his game logs right now. April 10th gave up five runs. April 30th gave up four runs. In between those was good outings. Uh, four runs allowed against the Royals in less than six innings of work, May 17th. In between that, pretty solid outings. Seven runs against the Yankees, didn't make it out of out of the third. Um, and then gave up four runs against Colorado, six runs in this last start. So it's not like he had one terrible outing and the rest have been great. He's had most, it seems like most of these outings have been good outings, but that's not what an ace is. Like, in aces, most of the time they're great outings. You get every pitcher is going to have clunkers, but I think right now, Waka, Snell, probably even Musgrove, they're I'd say they're in a tier a little a tier higher than where Darvish is at right now. So yeah, that was a disappointing loss in Game One of this series. I mean, after Darvish, Kerr pitched, Honeywell, Chris Matt, so that tells you. That yeah, they were saving their big guys for these next couple games because they knew they the Padres themselves felt like yeah we're we're not in this game. Um, Soto and Machado in that game on Friday combined to go 0 for seven. Sanchez 0 for four, and when we look at Gary, you know him kind of coming back down to earth, which it's expected. Again, he got off to a really hot start there. I think we're foolish to expect him to continue doing that uh his last what five games he doesn't have a hit he is now not all those are starts some of those are pinch hit appearances um well let's see here eight 11 12 at bats i think yeah 12 at bats last five games no hits so his average for the year, 245 on June 13th. June 18th, it is now at 200. Uh, in the month of June, his average is 192. Uh, it feels weird to say, doesn't have a home run since June 13th because we were used to him having a home run like every day or every other day or once every three games, but we haven't really seen that um, since, obviously. But I think... I think it's kind of in the middle. Like right now he's struggling, but he's better than Nola. He's a better option than Nola, has a better arm. He still deserves to be the starting catcher, no doubt. Uh, but I don't think we should expect him to perform like he did at the beginning, offensively. Like him homering all the time and just all the contributions that he had offensively, I don't think that should be a realistic expectation. I think we should expect him to be in the middle, not all the way up, but not like how he is right now. Maybe that's maybe some fans disagree. You can let me know in the in the chat. But that's kind of where I stand on Gary right now. And I did want to hit on Odor, the Odor Carpenter thing, because both are obviously can hit from the left side. Right now, I probably like Odor more than Matt Carpenter DHing. Like Carp has been struggling this year. And I didn't think I probably would have said that going into the season, like, oh, yeah, Odor over Carpenter. But 
just look at the numbers. I mean, Carpenter's hitting 181. Odor's not great, 218. Uh, but like today, came through with runners in scoring position with a hit. And Carpenter was one of the better clutch hitters for the Padres to start the season. But there's just some things with the approach. Like there was an at-bat today, first pitch swinging, and it, I don't have a great view of where the, exactly the pitch is from my seats, but it didn't look like it was a great pitch. And he, I think, fouled it off his foot. Like just not the best approach. Um, I would just – it's kind of just a, I don't know, a feel thing for me. I would just go with Odor right now DH-wise over Matt Carpenter. Uh, Matt Carpenter doesn't have a hit since June 11th, so he's gone a week. Gone a week since getting a hit. And Rugnet Odor, he came through today, which was good to see. And let's see how he's doing. Looking at his game logs. Well. Okay, so his last, because I was looking at his game logs and I saw a bunch of offers, but that was because he didn't have an, an official at-bat there. Uh, let's see. His last, well, so far in June. Let's just talk about June. So far in June, he's hitting 313 with a 500 slugging percentage. Compared to Matt Carpenter in June, who's hitting 167 with a 200 slugging percentage. So I did say it was feel, but then when you go and look at the stats, you're kind of like, yeah, probably Odor is the better choice over Carp DHing from the left side. All right. Um, oh, by the way, there was something I tweeted out on Friday about Rays Padres and that loss, just because I was frustrated, obviously, from just the performance and. You know, it just felt like, yeah, we've seen this a lot this year. You know, the Rays, they go into the game, obviously low payroll. And I know that's talked about, you know, we think of the Rays or any baseball fan thinks of the Rays. And it's like impossible to talk about them without bringing up the money, like the low payroll and all that. So it is like the layup to to bring up the money. But uh, it still is a fact. No Rays player making at least $8 million uh, started on Friday. Four Padres that played on Friday. I think it's Darvish, Manny, uh, Darvish, Manny, Soto, Bogarts. I think they're they made or they're making at least eight million dollars. And the Padres, I think there were three games under five hundred then, and the Rays' best record in baseball, and they still have the best record in baseball right now. The Rays sit fifty-one and twenty-four, first place, obviously in the American League East. And the Padres, with the big payroll that they have, 35 and 36, fourth in the NL West. NL West, it's been a good division. You know, Giants, D-backs, probably outperforming expectations, but the Padres at the same time are underperforming. So that's not a good combination, right? All right. I'm going to get to the chat, but first... I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long. 
resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'll get to the chat here, but I did want to play Don Orsillo's call of Tatsis's great throw today and great pick by Nola that nabbed Manny Margot at the plate. Padres ended up winning by one run. If that run would have scored, Padres maybe would still be playing. Maybe they would have lost the game. Who knows what the heck would have happened. But it was a great throw, great play. I'm hearing this for the first time because I was at the game, so let's listen here. On the ground, in the right field, a base hit. Ruha to be sent around. Here's a throw from Fernando. He will be Nick was Nick was fired up there. Yeah, that was a good call. And that was after Bomel, I believe. I believe that was after Bomel got ejected. Yeah, because I think yeah, Bomel got ejected when Wilson was on the mound, right? And Martinez was in the game during NATO uh, with his uh, laser blowing Margot up at the plate. All right. Let's get to the chat here. I forget where I left off, so I'm going to go back up to the top. Omar says, Loving Bumel finally getting amped up and protecting the boys. Need more of that from the skipper. And I mentioned this earlier. I think we need more of that when it's necessary. Maybe even we, we don't even need more of it. Like It's just going to come when it's necessary. I don't want him getting ejected every other night when the team needs a spark. Like the spark has to come from the players at the end of the day. Uh most of the time. I keep the manager wanting to have, to provide a spark, but Bowmill's not trying to get ejected to provide a spark. He's gonna get ejected because he's pissed off at a call that happened. And today 
the guy was, I think Juan was walking back to the dugout. He thought he struck out, and Jim Wolf says that he didn't go. And now he gets on base. It was just a bad call. And so, yeah, Bowman was pissed off. Like this, winning a series was obviously big for this Padres team because of where they're at. Like they're under 500 and just it's it's the best team in baseball. You know, there, there was motivation to win this series and just, just a singular game. Like it was a close game. The Padres, they had the lead. The competitor in you, when there's a bad call like that, yeah, you're going to get pissed off. But there's some time where I think fans, we get pissed off at something because maybe we don't have the same camera angle that they do that or that the 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 video people in the clubhouse do that are calling to the dugout saying, yeah, don't need to challenge this. And some of us, again, don't have that in some situations. And we're like, that's stupid. Why is Bill not challenging? Or there's a call, like maybe a bad strike call, right? And we're like, how is Bowman? Some might be like, how is Bowman not pissed off at that? Well, he can't really see very great from the dugout if a ball is a ball or a strike. Was it a bad call? He can't really see that, right? He doesn't have the same center field camera view that we have. So there's some situations where it's like, you got to realize, you got to look at it from his point of view. He's not going to get pissed off all the time like some fans will. Um, I want him to get pissed off again when it's genuine. Hopefully that makes sense there. Tupac 13, good win, but ugly win, if that makes sense. Yeah, yep, definitely makes sense. It was a you know good, good job by the pitching staff, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't the most convincing. It wasn't the most encouraging win, I don't think. I don't think it was the most encouraging series win. Uh, Devin says, nice hat you wore earlier, Ben. Yeah, I had my, uh, what, straw hat on? Yeah, at the Pottery game. It was hot. It was hot yesterday. I was at Snapdragon for the Wave game. Unfortunately, they lost. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I got that from FOCO. So they were nice enough to send me that. So just if you go on to FOCO's website, or if I think you could just go on my pregame thoughts video, and in the comments, someone asked where I got the hat. And I put the link in there. So you can just click that. And that's where I got that hat. But thank you, Devin. Austin says, you see the Dodgers got swept now in third and we're catching up to them. I'm not even worried about the Dodgers right now. I'm not worried about really any team in the the division. Like, I realize that this next series against the Giants is important because it is a division team and they're ahead of the Padres. But I don't want to worry about the division or teams ahead of us until we get above 500 like let's show some consistency keep winning series um and i know some fans would be like well ben they are showing consistent consistency because they've won what five series in a row i think that's where what i saw earlier today and that's great but i'm talking more about like the consistency with runners in scoring position having these wins be like real good uh, convincing wins. And I know that's maybe that's nitpicking and, you know, I should just be happy when they win games. I I am happy when they do win games. Uh, but I'm just looking at this as well. Look at the sample size we have. It's a pretty darn good sample size this year of this team 
being inconsistent. So and so when they win, and it's not in the most encouraging way, I'm, I'm gonna be like, I'm probably gonna look at it from more of the negative view because I, you know, we have that sample size from this year of underwhelming baseball, especially offensively. So yeah, we took two out of three from the Rays. Padres did. I shouldn't say we because I'm not playing. We're not playing. Uh, two out of three from the Rays, two out of three from the Guardians, two out of three from the Rockies, split with the Mariners, uh, split with the Cubs, and I think took two out of three from Miami. Yeah, took two out of three from Miami. Haven't lost a series since the end of May uh, against the Yankees, which I believe one of those games they could have won. Um, but, you know, some of these are splits where it's like, eh, what a wish they could have won both of those games or some of these games were, you know, should have swept the, should have swept the Rockies right last weekend. So again, I'm not super encouraged after this series, but I'm going to take two out of three, obviously. And it's always great to see when the Dodgers get swept, obviously they lost 15 to nothing yesterday. I mean, Holy cow. Yeah, I agree. Alex, terrible call. by Wolf. Uh, earlier today, Omar says Wolf needs to let off the PEDs. Yeah, his biceps are pretty big, but I guess he needs to get bigger uh, glasses or a better prescription or something. Does he have glasses or better contacts? Because that was a terrible call that he made. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
JD's third says this weekend seems like it was our world series for the season. Um, I disagree with that. No, there I'm not going to lie going down the stairs at Peco park exiting the stadium today. There were let's go Padres chants, kind of like it, kind of like the end of the season last year um, in the postseason. You know, I remember those chants um, and that's, I think the first time, or maybe it's happened before this season, but that was like the first time that I remember that happening this year. So, yeah, I think fans, some fans uh, viewed it as, yeah, this is a very important series. They won the series. Amazing. Probably, you know, it's probably the best they felt after a series at Petco maybe this year, just because of the team that they beat, uh, you know, the records, looking at the records. But, Speaking for myself, obviously can't speak for everyone else, but speaking for myself, I I don't I didn't view this series as the World Series for the season. I I think that it was great to take two out of three, but I I'm also sitting here th- saying that yeah I'm not super encouraged by what the offense did this weekend. Like I'm great, I'm happy. It's great. I'm happy they took two out of three, but there's still work to be done here. Where before I'm going to say, oh, this team, it's the, this is the real Padres now. They've turned the corner. All right, let's get over 500. JD's third says Soto and Hader will be our only all stars. Nando won't get in. Unfortunately, he's sixth in voting. Um, Soto and Hader just in total? I disagree with that. Walk is not going to be an all star. I, I think he's pitching like one. And I'm not saying he's going to start the all star game, he's not. But based on numbers, he's not going to – maybe maybe he doesn't initially get selected, but maybe he's a replacement all-star. Okay, Hater. Okay, Soto. But Tatis is not going to be in the all-star game. If he keeps playing pretty well, uh, I think that's going to be hard to exclude him from the all-star game. Bogarts, we'll see. The shortstop position in the National League, I don't think it's been that strong this year, to be honest. I know Trey Turner has also struggled this year uh, with the Phillies in his first year. So who, who was, I said, Orlando Arcia was the leading vote getter at shortstop in the first ballot update. Like it hasn't been a great strong shortstop year. So maybe Bogarts gets in as well. I disagree with Soto and Hater only. I think there'll be at least one other person. Uh, Charlie says it was dumb of the Padres breaking off the all-stars voting alliance with the Blue Jays. Toronto always have the most all-stars because a whole country votes for them. Yeah, but those, to be, to be fair, those alliance things, how often do they actually work? Like, do fans actually vote for, like this year, Padres Mariners, right? That's the alliance, the, the duo. Do Padres fans sit there and be like, we're aligned with the with the Mariners, so I'm going to vote for all Mariners. Some probably vote for Ty France, but we're going to sit there and vote for all Mariners, or are we going to vote for American League players that we think are actually all-stars? Because the Mariners, that to be fair, they're, you know, we're underperforming, right, Padres? The Mariners are underperforming this year as well. So I guess they are aligned there, two underperforming teams. But does that actually work, or are they doing that because they think it works? They're just doing that for social media. Like, I think what would work just to have fun is Padres. I'm serious. 
the Padres and the Rays. That would make it great. P-A-D-R-A-Y-S. Padres. Hashtag Padres. That makes the most sense, doesn't it? I, I get the spring training thing, and they can do stuff before the season or you know, when they just met up. I get that. But Padres, I mean, that makes the most sense, does it not? The Rays can use their full name in it too. I would like that. Yeah, Ivan, yeah, Gaglion Bros, it's on Friars Road. Yep. Devin says Fox Sports trying to say Machado was funny. Yeah, Eric Karos, my goodness. Uh, that The Machado thing, he got it wrong. So Manny yesterday, the game was on Fox. It was on national television. Manny makes a couple great plays in the game, and he's like, what, props to my guy, or shout out to my guy Don Ursillo, Padre announcer, as he would say, you just got Machado'd. Don doesn't say that. Manny, or not Manny, Mud. Mud is the one that says it. Like Don says, Manny says no. Um, but Mud, correct me if I'm wrong. Mud's the guy that says you just got Machado'd. So yeah, Karos was wrong on that one. And didn't he? Wasn't he thinking that Soto was maybe going to bunt in that inning where they were all bunting? Like, come on. Tatis called that on his own, and situationally, that was a great spot to do that, right? Because the offense wasn't doing a whole lot. He was trying to bunt for a hit, I think. It just ended up being an out. But he got the runners over. Like He just wanted to get those runners over because he knew even if he got out, one out, and you have Soto coming up, that can be a sack fly and score the run. So, um, yeah. Karos, I'm not a huge fan of him. And any national broadcast, let's be honest, it's going to look worse compared to Mud and Dawn. It, that's just what it is. Steven says, you are not nitpicking, Ben. You are doing what Ben and Woods are afraid to do. Um, I do see that. Like, do most people think that Ben and Woods are, like, really pro-Padres? Like, they, they're not going to criticize them? I disagree with that. Like, they work for the Padres Radio Network, and they're Padres fans, just like I'm a Padres fan. So I tend to be pro-Padres. I think they tend to be pro-Padres. But I think Woodsy and Ben, Paul, I, I think they're when the team isn't playing good, they'll criticize them. So I kind of disagree with that, Stephen. There are some that I feel like do definitely, uh, you know, like to look at the positives when things are clearly not positive. But no, I think Ben and Woods are good. Uh, Devin says, I know I'm late on this, Ben, but what do you think of the A's reverse boycott? Uh, I think that it was great for A's fans, like saying like, we're not the problem. And I think Rob Manfred, his comments, I don't know if some of you guys saw over the weekend or maybe it was on Friday, whenever it was, he made comments to the media about the boycott. And he was like, yeah, it was great that for one night they 
they almost got an at what is an average major league baseball attendance this year. Like he was being a D about it, you know, like, come on, man. Do you have to take a shot at the fans? I get your, I get you work for the owners, but do you have to take a shot at the fans? They all organized that themselves. They showed they're not the problem. If the team was winning, it wouldn't be that. Just 28,000 or almost 28,000, whatever it was. It would be more than that. Even in that bad stadium, it would be more than that. Like A's fans, they are not the problem. It's John Fisher that the commissioner is allowing to just move to Vegas. Uh, I just feel bad for the A's fans. I love that they did it. It was great. They made their voices be known. The chants sell the team being silent in the fifth inning and then chanting it, right? Uh, I loved it. And they won the game too. Like, they should make a documentary about that. And hopefully someone will, you know, someday. I loved it. Um, but unfortunately, that's not going to change anything. You know, seems like the A's, they're moving to Vegas. And Rob Manfred's just allowing all this and doesn't care. So, yeah, it sucks. All right, let's get to some other San Diego sports stuff, shall we? Let's start with San Diego State. So this happened on Friday. The news broke on Friday. And the news was president of San Diego State University, President De La Torre, she sent a letter to the Mountain West Commissioner and I believe the presidents of the Mountain West schools she sent this letter on Tuesday indicating San Diego State's intent to leave before the start of the 2024-2025 sports seasons. And San Diego State, they are requesting a one-month extension to the June 30th deadline. They're, they're requesting for the, an extension so that they don't have to pay $34 million dollars if they were to announce that they were going to leave and they were going to leave in less than a year's notice, right? Like that's the, the deadline date. Um, and San Diego state, their athletic director, JD Wicker, he has said in the past, like they're, they can't pay that. They, so it's June 30th. That's the date. And they want a one month extension. The news of San Diego state writing this letters indicating their intent to leave that's not really news, I don't think, because we, at least San Diego State fans who have heard J.D. Wicker, they've heard President De La Torre, we know that they want to leave the conference. Yeah, they're going to leave the conference at some point. They intend to leave the conference. Um, I think what's news is they're, they're, they want the one-month extension. So what does that tell you about this Pac-12 media deal? Do, does this tell you, should this tell us that this media deal, yeah, probably not going to get done by June 30th. So they're asking for the extension. And they'll think the media deal will get done by then, and then they'll get the invitation and they'll go. They are, I guess they're kind of risking not being in a conference for a year because if they can't pay and they announce that they're leaving, so in 2024, 2025, if they, if they don't get an invitation or if they get an invitation, but they don't join until 2025, 26, and they're not in the Mountain West because they already announced that they're 
that they're going to leave, uh, if if that does go into effect, that they are leaving. Because this letter, again, President De La Torre, she said that this is not their official letter saying that they, they're leaving. This isn't like their official resignation letter. This was just a letter saying that they intend to leave. But the Mountain West is taking it as, no, this you're saying that you're going to leave. So they've already started that process, and De La Torre was, I guess, pissed off about that. Um, now, with San Diego State, I think you should just announce your, that you're leaving. You shouldn't announce your intention to leave because the Mountain West, why would they approve this one-month extension? You're leaving the conference. So they want to get the $34 million, not the, the $17 million. If you leave by June 30th or announce that you're going to leave by June 30th, you get an invitation, you leave, you accept it, you pay $17 million. The Mountain West wants the 34. So why would they want to extend this deadline? So we'll see what happens. We'll see if San Diego State does get this extension. I wouldn't expect them to get this extension unless like they would come to the middle, the middle. So let's say 17, 34, let's say the Mountain West agrees, like, yeah, we'll give you the one month extension, but and you don't have to pay us 34 mil, but you don't you're not gonna pay 17. You're gonna have to pay us 24 million or 22 million or whatever. You know, you're gonna have to pay us more than the 17 million. Maybe that's how the Mountain West accepts this one month uh, extension request from San Diego State, but I don't think they will. It it doesn't. I don't think it really benefits them. They're the ones losing out on this. They're losing their best team, their their best overall school, a team that just went to the Final Four, a softball team that just went to the Super Regionals. Um, like they were so close to going to the Women's College World Series. Uh, San Diego State's in, it's in a good spot, just athletically. And so the Mount West, they're not happy about this. So they probably want to get the most that they can out of this. So we'll see again how that situation happens or how it ends up happening. What happens? When does San Diego State leave? But this is, I don't think this is a surprise to Aztecs fans that they're intending to leave the conference. Um, now it's just a matter of does the Pac 12 get this media rights deal done? And does the invitation happen before June 30th? Uh, because if it does, then San Diego State, they'll accept it and move on. If it doesn't, and let's say San Diego State doesn't get the extension, and it's June, I don't know, June 29th or June 28th or something, and still no invitation from the Pac-12, and the Big 12 comes in and offers San Diego State a deal, does J.D. Wicker and San Diego State, President De La Torre, do they accept it? Because they're like, well, we can't pay the 34 mil. Pac-12 still hasn't had a TV deal, or they haven't invited us do we just go to the big 12 or do they take the risk of waiting for the pac 12 to make a real last minute offer i don't know i don't know what would happen there i i personally as an aztecs fan and someone who's going to be going there i want this team to be in the pac 12 i think that just makes sense ge geographically um being in the same conference as schools like stanford um uh, and Oregon, I think that's appealing. Um, but you know, in the Big 12, uh, it's it's better than the Mountain West, right? For the athletes, that might not be the best thing. And, you know, 
rivalry-wise, geographically, maybe that's not the best thing, but it's still better than the Mountain West. So we'll see what happens. Look, San Diego State, they're in a good position, I think. And I'm excited to see how this all um, ends up, you know, San Diego State, do they end up getting that Pac-12 invite or do they end up getting an extension? Do they end up going to the Big 12? We'll see. But again, I'm not, I'm not surprised by this news for sure. All right, let's get to the San Diego Wave. So unfortunately, this weekend, San Diego Wave FC, they fell to Angel City. It was a close match. They fell two to one. The Wave, they took the lead, one nil. Kristen McNabb, she ended up scoring in the 57th minute in assist by Alex Morgan. Some fans maybe watching this game, watching this match. Morgan, she exited well before the end of the match. But remember, she sat the last match because she was dealing with a little bit of a calf uh, injury, calf tightness that happened, I think, during warm-ups for their last match. So they were probably being careful. The World Cup's coming up. They only have one more match before the international players, U.S. Women's National Team as well, before they are sent to their international teams. Um, So it's close. So... They're probably being precautionary there with Alex, but she had the assist. It was a great pass, and that allowed that put the she put the ball in front of McNabb, and that allowed McNabb to have the one touch, obviously, and in. So that made it one nil. But then Angel City they came through in the 69th minute. Paige Nielsen, who is not known for scoring goals, obviously, uh, she comes through with a goal both on the near side for Sheridan, uh, the near post on the right side, if you're looking at it from Sheridan's point of view. And two late goals, so 69th minute and 88th minute. And when Nielsen scored, so there was Alyssa Thompson who came off. She did not play the entire match. She's, I mean, she didn't score, but you could definitely tell. This was my first time watching her live. You could tell how special she is, and you definitely could see why. Vlad Garaninovsky, U.S. Women's National Team, why they would be interested in having her be on this team for the World Cup, even with how young she is because of her speed and her shot-making abilities, shot creation. She's she's super talented. Um, but she was subbed off. Sydney uh, LaRue, she came off. And I was like, all right, well, those are two main threats for Angel City. 1-1 one, one game. Um, seems like this is going to be a tie. And Look, you obviously want to win the match if you're the Wave, but a tie that wouldn't be the end of the world. You would still be gaining at least one point in the match or coming away from the match. But they allowed that late goal there, and they could not get that second goal to tie it. They had some chances. Had some chances there late. They had a chance early, Ali, uh, to score the first goal, but couldn't get it. They had a couple chances late, main chances. Korniak with the header. Went just wide. She came in as a sub, as a game changer, as the wave like to call it. And then Mel Barson, she also came in late into the match. And she created a great shot. Uh, it was I think the wave's last shot opportunity of the match. And it went right to the goalkeeper, uh, Didi Heritage. But 
there were, it was an exciting ending for sure. And the announced attendance for this match, 25,515 fans. I do got to give props to Angel City FC, their supporters. They did travel to San Diego. Uh, they definitely made themselves heard in the second deck there at Snapdragon. Um, but at the same time, they were complaining about the security at Snapdragon for some reason. They were complaining about them taking away their balloons, which doesn't make sense because the balloon there was a balloon that flied onto the pitch during the match. So, yeah, they have a they have a reason to take away the balloons. Uh, but they made noise. Um, and they, they showed up for sure. They, they were there last season when the Wave beat them uh, in the Snapdragon Wave debut there. Jaden Shaw scored that goal. Sheridan had a huge penalty kick save uh, late in that match. They showed up then. They showed up now. So props to them. Uh, but, you know, the Wave, they have a what one-on-one record against Angel City so far this year. And Angel City, that was their first win in a while. I think they had two wins in the regular season this season so far, entering the match on Saturday. The Wave, they're top of the table entering the match. So they're in two different positions. They already had fired their manager. And the Wave, they have Casey Stoney, who probably should be here at least through 2026, lining up with Naomi Germa's contract uh, because she has done a phenomenal job, I think, in her position but i was reading uh, the union tribune and i guess she doesn't have a contract through 2026 so as she told the media it's going to be the wave's job obviously to evaluate and see if she is the woman for the job and i think she is i think she's done a phenomenal job with this club so the next match for the wave coming up it is on saturday 7 p.m against Megan Rapino and the OL Reign. Reign are near the top of the table as well. And this is the last match. As I said earlier, this is the last match for the international players before they're sent to their camps. So Alex Morgan, Naomi Gurma. We'll see if Taylor Korniak makes the roster. Don't know. I mean, the height is definitely an advantage there over other countries in the World Cup, I would assume. Uh, we'll see if she makes the roster there. Um, there's Sophia Jakobsen, I believe Emily Van Eggman, Kaylin uh, Sheridan. There are other players that will be not just U.S. Women's National Team. They'll be representing other countries. So this is where San Diego Wave, after this next match, their depth is going to be tested. But I think they have one of the deeper rosters in the league. So there might be problems, but we're going to see more playing time for um, Doniak, Turnbow, assuming she's healthy, Ali. Uh, Mel Barcenas, like we're, we're going to see more playing time from them. And I think something definitely to look uh, or pay attention to for Wave fans is how does the Wave backup keeper do with Sheridan gone? Because Sheridan, you know, arguably is the best keeper in the league. Uh, definitely one of the best keepers in the league. So how do they do there? How do they do with Gurma gone from center back? How do they do there? Um, obviously Morgan, but you know, defense, like how do they do there? Uh, that's something to look forward to or look at. I don't know about look forward to, I mean, maybe look forward to like, I'm, I'm excited to see how they do, but I'm not looking forward to having Gurma gone and Sheridan gone. Like obviously you want them there, but 
in the World Cup, I'm going to be rooting, obviously, for the U.S. Women's National Team, and I'll be rooting for the Wave players as long as they're not playing the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, so, again, you can get your tickets, SanDiegoWaveFC.com, Rain and the Wave next Saturday at Snapdragon. All right. Any other comments, questions here? Steven says, Manfred is a villain. He moved the All-Star game because he's a, a lefty, but he wants that Vegas money, Manfred, the little people in Oakland. Uh, I think, well, Manfred, look, he works for the owner. So I understand why he's going to support the owners, but there's some things that he doesn't have to say, right? He doesn't have to say what he said about the A's fans. Like, he didn't say, like, A's fans suck, but he was saying, like, yeah, that's great that they didn't fill uh, Oakland Coliseum for one night. Like, that's great. They 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 almost had an average attendance. You know, he didn't have to do that. Like, he did that as a shot to the A's fans when he should be taking shots at the owners if he wasn't working for the owners. But he worked for the owners, so I understand it. We'll see what happens with the vote because the Major League Baseball owners are going to have to vote to approve this move. So hopefully Peter Seidler's vote ends up going public. Like someone can get that because I'm very interested in seeing how Peter does here. Does he approve this move or does he say no to this? Because he can say no and the move still happens. Hopefully he says no because he saw what happened with the Chargers, you know, being in San Diego, obviously. Uh, I don't think he would want this move, but maybe he votes yes just because he doesn't want to piss off other owners. I don't know. But I, I would definitely say no to this. Steven says, why are they, why they are moving to that conference eventually it will dissolve. I think he's talking about Pac-12. And in the meantime, it will become a warm Warm Dover Mountain West. Oh, warm, warmed over. Sorry, those were two words combined there that I saw in the chat. A warmed over Mountain West. Uh, because I think that they're just seeing Pac-12 Power Five Conference, and they're seeing this is a better opportunity than the Mountain West, and it's not a guarantee that those other schools will leave the Pac-12. To be honest. Aztecs don't know that, and they don't know the next time that they'll be invited to a Power Five. So it's kind of like, yeah, let's take this opportunity while we have it. We're coming off a Final Four appearance in basketball, National Championship game appearance. That is, like, let's take it. All right. Anything else I wanted to get to here? I don't think so. Padres Giants coming up next four games. For the Padres, no off day. Don't have an off day. They have four games against the Giants, and then they have that series against the Nats before an off day, before going back on the road to face to face uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati before they come back home and face the Angels. And then the Mets before the All-Star break. So that's what's up next for the Padres. The Giants, what are they right now? Let's see here. I know they just... Someone said in the chat, I think Devin said that they swept the Dodgers. So Giants, obviously, they're playing good baseball here. What are they right now? They're second in the division behind Arizona, 39-32. and 32, So they've won seven games in a row. Their run differential plus 48. 
which is double the Padres' run differential. Uh, Padres seven and three in their last ten. Giants eight and two in their last ten. This will be another series where the Padres can measure up to their competition, right? Best team in the league they just beat. And then the San Francisco team right now, record-wise in the National League, they're one of the best teams in the National League. So we'll see. You hope that they take three out of four, but right now, um, you know, my expectation is that they split four-game series on the road, don't have their best relievers probably in the first game, I think I'll take a split. Definitely would be disappointed in a series loss, though. All right, that's it. Again, reminder, code TALKINGFRIARS on SeatGeek, $20 off your order. Click that link in the description for BreakingTea.com. Great shirts there, shirts, sweatshirts, Wave, Aztecs, Padres. That'll do it. Episode 415 of Talking Friars. Ben Fadden signing off. Thank you so much for the time. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss when I go live, you don't miss when a video is out. And download and review the podcast on the podcast platforms. Again, Talking Friars. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great rest of your day, great rest of your night. And I will talk to you all later.